Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. It was 45 years ago this past spring that Frank Collin, the leader of the National Socialist Party of America, a group of American Nazis, applied for a permit to march and rally in Skokie, Illinois a suburb 45 minutes north of Chicago, in which, at the time, over half of the residents were Jewish, and one out of every three of those Jews were Holocaust survivors. It became a landmark Supreme Court case, especially as a Jewish lawyer from the ACLU defended the group's right to assemble. And while that group was ultimately allowed to march in Skokie, Their demonstration was moved to downtown Chicago, where more than 2,000 counter-protesters overpowered the 20 neo-Nazis that were led by Colin. The case continues to serve as precedent for these hateful and despicable groups to continue to gather today. And the ACLU actually once again made headlines five years ago this week as they defended the rights of white supremacists to participate in the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Although they would publicly question their decision afterwards, saying that they were defending the right to peaceful assembly, and the white nationalists in Charlottesville arrived heavily armed, and ultimately, as we know, 32-year-old Heather Heyer was killed, and 35 others were injured during a car attack by one of those white supremacists. I've been thinking about Skokie and Charlottesville, especially as over the past couple months, our neighborhoods have been inundated with anti-Semitic pamphlets. And two weeks ago, as neo-Nazis demonstrated outside of our convention center. All of this after neo-Nazi demonstrations in Orlando and on I-4 earlier this year. But as I thought about all of these moments, there's something that they have in common. And while I can't make us feel better about the anti-Semitism we've seen in our very own backyard, nor should I, we always need to be aware and concerned when we see those who hate us. In all of these cases, the haters in question traveled to the places where they thought their hate would get the most traction. According to the ADL's Center on Extremism, which has been able to identify 330 of the estimated 600 who participated in that rally in Charlottesville. Attendees came from at least 39 different states, with some coming from Canada, Sweden, and even South Africa. Alan Zimmerman was the president of Congregation Beth Israel in Charlottesville at the time, 
And he wrote about the fear that he and his community felt while praying that Shabbat morning. Something they felt compelled to do in spite of the risk. Having learned that Nazi websites had called on supporters to burn the synagogue in Charlottesville down. They were watching armed men in military fatigues loiter across the street from their temple. And others were periodically walking by chanting Nazi slogans and carrying flags with swastikas and other Nazi symbols. But Zimmerman chose to focus on his neighbors. He wrote, And yet, in the midst of all that, other moments stand out for me as well. John Aguilar, a 30-year Navy veteran, took it upon himself to stand watch over the synagogue through services Friday evening and Saturday along with our armed guard. He just felt he should. We experienced wonderful turnout for services both Friday night and Saturday morning to observe Shabbat, including many non-Jews, our neighbors, who said they came to show solidarity. A frail elderly woman approached me Saturday morning as I stood on the step in front of our sanctuary crying to tell me that while she was Roman Catholic, she wanted to stay and watch over the synagogue with us. At one point she asked, why do they hate you? I had no answer to the question that we've been asking ourselves for thousands of years. At least a dozen complete strangers, he wrote, stopped by as we stood in front of the synagogue Saturday to ask if they could stand with us. Mr. Rogers taught us to look for the helpers. And in Charlottesville, while there were plenty who wanted to do them harm, their neighbors were their helpers. And here in Tampa, as far as we know, the flyers being distributed to, to our neighbors are not being distributed by our neighbors, nor were they the ones outside the convention center. These Nazis who've been just demonstrating in Tampa and sending these flyers out are people who are traveling here to spread their hate. And like Zimmerman, I'm choosing to focus on our neighbors who have expressed their support. Those who collected the vile flyers before others had the chance to see them. Our neighbors from Palmasia Presbyterian, First Presbyterian, and Horizon Church who came into this sanctuary just a few months ago to join us in conversation, expressing their support for our community. I'm choosing to focus on the work of our congregant, Joe Probasco, who's worked tirelessly with our mayor, our city council, and police, just last week passing a city council resolution condemning any anti-Semitism locally and beyond, committing local leaders and their resources to combating anti-Semitism, and committing to the safety of our community and our institutions. It turns out that balancing the need to look at what's wrong with our world, with our need to find those things that are right, is nothing new for us. This week's Torah portion, Devarim, the first in the book of Deuteronomy, begins with Moses' retelling of the people's time in the wilderness. He acknowledges our earliest misdeeds, coming out of Egyptian slavery and complaining when we should have been grateful, doubting when we should have had faith. But then he moves on in our story and looks at our growth as a people, instilling faith in our ability to begin our next chapter in the promised land. 
And this Torah portion comes on the Shabbat before Tisha B'Av, the ninth or tenth in this case of Av, which begins tomorrow night. Tisha B'Av, as we heard, is viewed as the saddest day on the Jewish calendar. In addition to commemorating the destruction of both the first and second temples 2,600 and 2,000 years ago, respectively, many of our worst moments, ranging from the days of Moses through the Holocaust, are said to have happened on this day. Thus, traditionally, the ninth of Av is a fast day, commemorated by sitting low to the ground and reading the Book of Lamentations, the Book of Job, and other sorrowful sections from our Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible. But there, too, we, especially in progressive Judaism, see hope. The temple in Jerusalem was an extremely important place where so many of our traditions began, but it was also a place of priests, middlemen between the people and God, and animal sacrifice as the primary form of worship. With the destruction of the temple, the synagogue became the focus of Jewish life with rabbis as teachers, prayer as worship, and each individual able to maintain their own unique relationship and understanding of God. So even as we mourn the ancient destruction, we're also grateful for the Judaism that we live today as a result. While it's important to think of the destruction and hatred the Jewish community has faced throughout history, it's equally important to celebrate our present and our future. Yes, Tisha B'Av can be a day of mourning, but when we think in different terms, it can equally be a source for celebration. My prayer is that we one day soon can look at this moment in history in the same way. And I know it's not just anti-Semitism. There are a lot of things in our world and our community that we could be depressed about on this day. It doesn't make it better to say that things have been worse, but I'll do it anyway. Things have been worse. As I've been thinking about Charlottesville and Skokie, I've also been reading about the Ku Klux Klan of the 1920s, a clan that didn't even have to hide behind their masks, openly serving as city councilmen and governors, forming alliances with local police departments. We are in a dark place, but I still believe that we are moving forward as we are forming and strengthening our alliances. And while there will be more rallies and more violence, more moments in which we feel that same pain in which we are reminded of as we sit on the ground reading our saddest texts, we too will come out of this wilderness to a promised land. In Psalm 126, we hear the song of hope by those being held captive in Babylonian exile. Hazorim bedima berina yiktsoru. Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. May the tears of those survivors in Skokie who had to picture their worst nightmare on their streets of safety. May the tears of those congregants at Beth Israel and Charlottesville who saw their worst nightmare outside their synagogue doors. And may our tears caused by images and acts of hate in our backyard. May those tears be eased by the compassion and support of our neighbors. And may those tears continue to inspire us to build bridges, to find hope, and to create blessing out of those who would curse us, so that we too may reap in the joy one day that is a world of restored humanity, 
world of love, understanding, and peace. As we say, 